The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Hey, hello once again. Welcome to episode 38 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations, Community Relations. Brandon Crow, Voice of the Wheat Kings. Crow, say hi, first of all. <laughs> hi. I don't want to just hijack it right off the top. But <laughs> before we get into this, one, I got to apologize to you for last week's pod. The, te- the technical glitches that we've <laughs> had to start is one thing after another. Um, everything was recording fine. And then in the middle of the interview, had some stuff go wrong. Anyway, we're, we're back. Things are working again this week. Knock on wood. Uh, knocking on the table right now. So uh, I appreciate everybody for, uh, for for sticking in there. But Crow, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, today, what is it today? Today's Monday. Uh, it, it was great to be able to watch some hockey on TV uh, over the last little bit. It's some NFL football. I just finished a stretch. Today's my last of four days off on this uh, work rotation I'm on right now, uh, which for all hockey fans and and thoughts hopefully it comes to an end soon because that means we're getting back to the rink but nonetheless uh feeling good getting back to back to the grind tomorrow so because of the errors last week we didn't really get to uh, i mean we 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 did talk about it but people didn't get to hear us uh, talk about uh by now that info is a week and a bit old but whl announced that they fully plan on having uh, some sort of a season looking at getting 24 games in uh, still structuring exactly how that's going to work, uh, working with local health authorities. But we're saying how encouraging that news is for so many reasons, for so many people, ourselves included. Uh, but just the 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 effect, and even since then, uh, there's been the announcement, like for example, in Saskatchewan, uh, that the government is uh, going to be helping out with the Saskatchewan teams. Uh, maybe we'll start with the news and notes here to kick off the podcast. Yeah, major, major donation from the Saskatchewan government. Now, it's a little different in Saskatchewan, and I lived there for, for five years, four and a half, five years. Uh, it is uh, predominantly its own government party, the SAS party, and it's different than, say, the Conservatives or, or the Liberals or the NDP that we normally see here in Manitoba. It's a little bit different. It's a little more, I don't even know, I'm not much of a political guy, but it's just different. It's got a different feel to it. Um, and, and they come out and announce that, uh, they're going to give 600000 to each Saskatchewan dub team and a full million dollars in relief to the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, which includes the Flint Flon Bombers based in Manitoba. So their provincial government has come out and said, look, we understand the importance of hockey in these communities and what this lockdown and what these restrictions have done. So uh, good for them. I mean, I don't know if many people were expecting it. I know that a lot of the non-hockey fans are quite upset about it. For the simple fact that, uh, aside from Swift Current, Moose Jaw, and PA, for example, you've got Regina and uh, Saskatoon with private owners that have pretty deep pockets. So I know there was a lot of fans or non-hockey fans that were saying, well, why are you bailing out hockey businesses that already have owners and not bailing out small businesses? But I mean, you're going to get those arguments no matter what. Um, but uh, really big news coming out of there. However, it's unfortunate their case numbers continue to, to skyrocket over the last week and a bit. So Again, we're not sure how this is going to play out, whether it's, uh, you know, the Winnipeg Free Press story this weekend talking about a potential bubble, 
with the Saskatchewan Manitoba teams possibly be even based in Brandon at the Keystone Center. So there's still lots of balls up in the air and, and irons in the fire, but uh, certainly good news for those teams. They get a little bit of financial relief and, and maybe for guys like you and me keeps people on the payroll. Well, and we got to specify too that uh, that that rumor of the bubble uh, that is nothing official about Brandon. Dude, no, um, not at all. I would love it, and I've been pushing for that. We've been talking about that for weeks. I think that Brandon is the natural fit. I would love for us to be hosting the other the the, the other teams. Uh, the Keystone is a big building. There's lots of rooms. Great partners right. in town with the hotels plus the hotel attached. There's just a lot of opportunity, but. Uh, Regardless, uh, it's just nice to hear that news about the about the twenty four games. Um, I got to bring up a little issue with you before we go much further as well, uh, man. Because when you were uh, sending out the tweet to promote this pod, you had some 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 language, and you and you and you shared a photo. And I just want to clarify that I do catch fish when I go fishing. <laughs> that yes, I do get skunked like every fisherman now and then, but. Uh, that was not my first fish of the year, like 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 Crow made, <laughs> like it, made seem. it seem, <laughs> like like you made it seem. But uh, I did have an awesome weekend, so thanks for posting that picture. Appreciate that. Yeah, and I want you to just explain. I know that you know our our podcast is is brought to you by Coors Light, and and one of the major parts of ice fishing is maybe sucking back on a few silver bullets while you're sitting in the shack. But that was not the case for you, uh, because you were all business. I mean, you, you have to please drink responsibly, up. and that's and that's and oh, that's yeah. and that's illegal. So I would never admit to that. <laughs> on the podcast, if I was enjoying some delicious First Coors make- Light, the official beer of the brand of Wheat Kings, please drink responsibly. Um, when I got home, first thing I did was for sure enjoy one uh, uh, responsibly. Um, so first I make fun of you, and yeah. then I try and incriminate you. And you, you try for and drinking. incriminate me on the podcast for drinking inside. Uh, yeah, no, uh, You were all business. I yeah. mean, you had one heck of a setup in well, your shack. Yeah, it was. Uh, so this past summer, I, I built a wood floor. I've got a pop-up shack. Uh, one of like the double sided ones. So it's nice and roomy, especially for, for, for me and the boys. But, uh, you know, I always want to do, I've always wanted to do an overnighter. And, uh, so this past summer, I built a wood floor for the tent, uh, with the idea that you get off the ice, keep the heat. Um, so Jude, my oldest, he wants to go on a fishing trip, uh, and do the overnighter. And I was like, Hey, well, before you go, I take you, we're gonna, I gotta go. Or you gotta do a test. See how it goes. I've never done it myself. Yep. Um, I don't want to have him out there and something goes wrong. It's like, nah, I'd rather just be me. I could figure it out. It was code red. So by myself, anyway, I had some visitors fish next to me during the day, but at night it was me. Uh, but everything worked out really well. It was actually really comfortable. Uh, I had some amazing sleeps with some fresh air. Uh, I had the rod set up overnight. The dream was that I would wake up to the bells and have a fish on in the middle of the night. <laughs> Two nights I slept like ten hours and didn't have a fish on, so that part was true. I wasn't catching, but during the day it was uh, it was okay. It was enough to keep a guy busy. Had a really nice setup. It was uh, I spent like well well over two like like fifty like fifty eight hours on the ice. So it was well, that's nice. awesome. It was cool. and I read a report uh, from CBC this week that the popularity of ice fishing because of the COVID and the code red and, and you know, crazy. it's through the roof. I've never seen so many people like this year. I've never seen so many people on the, on the lakes before. Um, there are small, there's always like, you know, like small, like bundles of shacks on the different lakes and some of the popular spots, but literally on the lakes this year, there are small communities. It is, and it's nonstop traffic. Maybe that's why the fish aren't biting, by the way, is as well. A lot of snowmobilers <laughs> out there, ATVs ripping up and down, but, uh, you know what? People are just enjoying it. And it was really good to see everybody out this weekend too. Um, I was far from alone out there and, and even overnighters. There was a number of other lights on and like fires on the lake going and, 
uh, it was a really nice weekend to be out. People took advantage. It was great weather. So it was good. Well, that's, uh, that I, you know what? My wife said to me, we were sitting in the hot tub the other night, which is kind of our winter activity. I mean, normally I build a rink, uh, but I didn't this year because last year I ended up breaking my water tank, uh, due to, poor planning and and i thought well i'll take a year off and of course the take the year i take off is the one year i probably should have built the rink but we were sitting outside uh, on a one of these beautiful nights just sitting in the hot tub and she said you know what we should look into getting a, an ice fishing setup for for next year and then you posted on your snapchat your setup and i said no because if we start i'm gonna have to try and compete with this and i i just don't know if i you don't can. have to compete no, no no and that's you know what me and a buddy were talking about that he was out there fishing next to me and and he's like oh man i gotta get that that, that. i was like Okay, and remember too, like this is a slow process, right? Like right. every winter, I add a piece or two. Like, man, I'm working the same kind of career as as, as you. I come from a radio background <laughs> now in hockey, right? I'm not putting all this stuff together on like on like year one. This is a very slow build before you kind of get everything going. Uh, but I saw what I want to do next for next year. I was fishing next to a guy who had this set up. Anyway, I maybe you should do a fishing podcast at some point because <laughs> yeah. uh, this guy had an amazing setup. I want to try and steal for next year. So, uh, well, it's it's amazing. People are getting out and doing things, and and that at the end of the day is all that matters. And you know what uh, right the conversation now. was when the people were out. I went over and I had, I had to ask him. So really quick, this guy he had like a like one of those uh, garden sheds that's made out of like the heavy duty like vinyl with the metal framing, and he built a custom wood floor for it, and it had like a curved puck board on one side with a tow rope. So it was a permi shack, but he could drive up with his truck hitch it on, and then just drive and move around the lake. So it was like the best of both worlds. Anyway, I had to go see it, and he was right there. Uh, asked if I could see it. He saw my hat. First thing he said is, Weekings, and he wanted to talk about hockey. He had no idea what was with the team. And then quickly, I was like, yeah, I work for the team. It's like, oh, what's going on? The point of conversation right away with people right now, it's been, when are we getting back to hockey? And it's been such a positive turn since they announced that the season's coming back. So at least people are talking about it again. It's been good. Right. And, and that's the thing. People are excited about it. And you touched on a fishing podcast. One guy that would love a fishing podcast is Kelly Schneider, the father of Braden Schneider. I mean, he's made his whole career in and around the fishing industry up north of PA in that Lakeland area. You know, you got Waska Sioux and Christopher and Emma, lots of lakes up there, beautiful fishing country. Uh, we got a funny story with him. I, while you were out fishing away, I was able to hook up with Braden Schneider and I've been trying to hook up with him, uh, via Zoom for, since the World Juniors, but he was big league in you. Yeah, he was. And it's funny because, uh, I, I dropped off some lunch for the coaching staff, uh, this week. I dropped off some, uh, some pizza, uh, for the guys from Santa Lucia. Uh, no free ads, uh, for Santa Lucia, but dropped it off for Donnie and Mark and, and, and Rich and Scooter and those guys as kind of a, Hey, I'm still thinking about you. And, uh, uh, it was one of those uh, situations where, oh, wait, what was I talking about? What, where were we going with that? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dropped. <laughs> I completely forgot where I was going with that. But, I love uh, that. Donnie. I all the time broadcasting. You start talking, and then you explain something, and you go off one one tangent. And while you're talking in your mind, you're like, okay, how do I get back on track? Well, what, what was our topic? Was my track? What now was my I got to get back to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so I... <laughs> When I got to the office, I was telling Don McGilvery that Braden Schneider was, he was taking his sweet time getting back to me. And Don, he said, well, he hasn't replied to me either. So I texted Schneider right away and I said, Donnie's pissed off. You didn't reply to his text message. And right away, ding, both of our phones went off and he was laughing and said, sorry, boys, didn't mean to ignore you. He's been busy and you'll hear all about his travels and everything he's been going through 
on his trip to Hartford in uh, in our interview this week on episode 18. 38, 18. Jeez, I haven't even been into the Coors Lights, and I'm just stumbling all over the place here. But hey, and you know what? And I'm, I'm I'm glad it was uh, Schneid's that if we had to do an interview. Because that's one guy that would totally understand with me being out on the ice. He'd be like, oh, oh yeah, he was okay with it. I'm sure. 100%. Well, whatever. Whatever. He's cool with it. Uh, <laughs> so let's get right into the interview because even, even I haven't heard it yet. Like, I'm really excited. You sent it to me, so I got it right now. So we're going to air it and then we're going to come back after. So here we go. The interview that I am just as excited to hear with our very own Brandon Crow and Braden Schneider. Our guest this week on the Weekly Harvest, presented by Coors Light, is uh, a well-traveled man as he's made his way from the World Junior Bubble at Edmonton all the way to the East Coast into New York City and now down to Hartford, Connecticut. Braden Schneider joins us this week, his second appearance on the pod, although a lot has happened since the last time he was here. First off, Schneider, I, I know it's been a busy stretch, but uh, how, how are you? What's what's going on? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing really good. It's it's been busy and I'm it's been different but busy none, nonetheless and I'm I'm pretty lucky to be able to do what I'm doing right now so it's been really good. So let's go back to March and uh, I don't know if you really remember the sequence of events of, of what led to the cancellation of of the Western Hockey League season but on that Wednesday we had our team picture day. I don't know if you remember that and we yep. were heading into a weekend where Prince Albert was was on the agenda and all of a sudden the Rudy Gobert incident happened in the NBA, and all of a sudden, we're completely shut down. So what was that first couple of weeks like? I mean, were you players all kind of just assuming we were going to get right back at it? And and maybe when did you know, oh boy, this this could be a lot longer than we thought? Well, I think, uh, well, the first thing, I think we were also playing Saskatoon that weekend. Right. And my, my little brother was uh, going to get called out, or we were going to play our first game we've ever played against each other, so... We were looking forward to that, and we were a little upset that that didn't happen. And then, yeah, when the season got canceled, I think we were all hopeful that it would be a, a couple of weeks, and then we'd be right back out there. But that wasn't the case. And after that couple of weeks passed, and then we got sent home, we thought maybe, okay, a month, a bit, or whatever, and kept getting good push back. And I think once it was, we were home for a little bit, and the whole country kind of locked down in general was like, okay, well, I don't think this is going to be happening for a while. So what were you doing? Like, I know different provinces had different rules, and in, in Manitoba, the rinks were open, but I don't know if teams were allowed to practice fully and that sort of thing. Saskatchewan had some different rules. Were you able to, to at least get on the ice, or did you stay in Brandon for a while, or, or how did your summer kind of pan out? Well, for the first bit, uh, Saskatchewan was completely locked down, so I was probably off the ice for, I don't know, four to six weeks. It was probably the longest break I've ever had since I've been skating, honestly, but and uh, yeah, after that, Saskatchewan opened up. Why I had a couple skates in Saskatoon that were restricted and limited, and we were kind of fortunate to, fortunate enough to be, get the call to go out and skate. And then, yeah, my summer was a bit back and forth between Brandon and PA. I was in PA for a bit, I'd, and then I'd be in Brandon for a bit, working out and training with the guys there. Then back in PA, so it, it was a it was good, but it was a lot different than usual. Oh, for sure. I was talking with with Donnie and, and Mark yesterday about how, you know, even if even if a player is on a, a team that doesn't make the playoffs, their normal offseason starts, you know, kind of end of March. And, yep. you know, all of a sudden by August, you're back on the ice with your team again. And all summer long, chances are a guy is playing, you know, summer kind of beer league type hockey or skating with other junior guys and that sort of thing. So it's not like you're off season, you're really away from the rink. Did you notice when you got back at it? into the world junior camp that 
maybe your lungs weren't quite where you thought they'd be or you weren't quite physically where you thought you'd be? Was that a tough thing to get back into? I, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly like you said, you can't ever really replicate a real full pace game in training that you can't ever do that. And my first couple of skates, I remember I was, I felt a little heavy and a little slow with my thinking, but I don't think my lungs felt it as much, but I just felt like I was thinking the game a lot slower than I usually did. And I was surprised to know that a game or two after that, it would be right back to where it was. Like, it's crazy how your body as a, a sports person or doing anything, how your body remembers it so well. But the first couple of skates and first couple of games for sure was like, holy, holy crap, this is going to be, this is tough. Well, I can only imagine, uh, as you can tell by looking at me, my peak physical athleticism days are behind me. So if I had to jump back into it now, I, you might have to strap the defibrillator to me. Let's, let's go back to the summer. And, you know, your dad and I had a great chat back in, I think it was July, and he told me a pretty funny story. Now, I want to get it from your point of view. He told me when I asked him, I said, who, who would you like Braden to be drafted by? Like, who was your team growing up? Or, or what team would mean the most to you? And, surprisingly being a, a PA guy he said Montreal and when I asked him that he told me a story about you and him doing a little home renovation <laughs> and Montreal giving you a call at a very inopportune time for him as he fell through a, a couple boards yep. on the deck and got stuck <laughs> during the phone call now how much of this was a fisherman's tale and it was actually not as bad as he made it seem or was it worse than he made it seem well I think he, he might have he's getting old so his memory's a little little wonky, but I think it was Colorado that oh. had called me at the time. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember I heard a bang when I was on an interview and I was, I was kind of like, uh, oh, maybe dad, dad, dad was working on the deck. I thought maybe something had fallen, but it would have been okay. <laughs> and I didn't think to go look at it. And I felt bad that I did, didn't. And yeah, I, I, I'm on the call. My call just ended. I, dad walks in just mad and, I didn't really see his face and he opens the fridge and grabbed like a jug of milk and poured himself a glass of milk and then turned around with this glass of milk and his whole face was bruised and <laughs> bloody. And I was like, what the heck? He's like, F it fell off the deck. <laughs> uh, he said he I was, was like, sore. I was like, Holy days. crap. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't come check on you. I didn't, didn't think anything of it, but I, I remember hearing the bang mid, mid interview. Well, he said he, he, he felt like he should have hollered for you, but he didn't want to interrupt your interview. So he said he would just leave it. And he said yeah, the interview yeah. went longer than he thought. And all of a sudden, he got himself out of this pile of rubble and went into yeah. the house. He said he would soar for days after that. So, yeah, anyway, I, 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 don't story, been, I don't think anyone would have been mad if you would have called. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but obviously, that leads up to draft day. And it's a bit of a different year. And, and you know, I was super excited uh, myself and and Pete, my broadcast analyst, a guy you know from from school. We had plans. We were coming to Montreal. We were going to do some content. We were going to follow you through the the draft process. You and and Ridley and and the rest of the gang. Now that gets changed to a virtual draft, and and you set up shop at at your billets house, uh, the Walleens down uh, in Brandon, and. You know, draft day comes and it's a little different, but kind of walk me through that day. Did you know where you were going to go? Did your agent give you any hint or, or were you actually watching the TV thinking you have no idea where you're going to go? It was, oh well, yeah, first I was actually in PA and I invited the, the Walleens out to Prince Albert. Oh, it was the other way around. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. other way around. 
And uh, yeah, I had my family, my girlfriend, the Walleens, and my agents there with their their wives. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly was kind of just going into it blind. I a little bit the night before I was looking at little, little mock drafts that they put out there and just trying to get an idea. And I had a range of where I would be, and I thought anywhere from the fifteen to twenty five range would probably be where I thought I would end up. And yeah, I, I had no idea where I was going to end up. And but my uh, agents. When uh, New York traded up, they right away one of them because he was uh, they're pretty good with uh, McCrimmon. They have a relationship with him with a couple of the other players. And right when New York traded up, Crim uh, sent him a text and said, "He's going right here." And that was about all I knew. And that would have been five minutes before it happened. So uh, here's the other weird thing, and I had a lot of questions about this. When the players are getting drafted at home, how, how did it work with the hats and the jerseys? You guys got boxes of stuff sent to you ahead of time? How did that all come about? Yeah, about a week before we got a, a big box, all the players that were, were were expected to get drafted. I'm not sure if everyone, but everyone that I thought, I thought they gave everyone that was going to get drafted this, uh, these boxes. So yeah, 31 hats in a box that showed up in the mail and they, whatever team got you, you got to keep the hat. Well, I guess you have to keep all the hats, but, and I, I handed out, I had some buddies over for a, like a little celebration after and, I was handing out hats of their favorite teams, and it was, it was pretty good. But yeah, everyone got a, a box of thirty-one hats. So when you uh, when you're watching that, I mean, I know it's been a long time since you were you know playing street hockey in the you know streets of PA and and pretending to you know score the game seven game winner. When you were a kid, what were you? What team were you on? What was your favorite team? And who are you always pretending to be when you're playing mini sticks or, or playing street hockey? Well, I. I, I was always, I started off as a Leafs fan because I think it was my, my first jersey I got. And then I, I turned into the biggest Luongo fan. I was kind of between Calgary and, and Vancouver, but I think they tipped the scale for me when my mom was, she grew up with Darcy Hortichuk and at the time he, he was on Vancouver. So I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Then I fell in love with Luongo and wanted to be a goalie for the longest time when he was on the 2010 Olympic team. And so yeah, I would say Toronto, Calgary, and Vancouver were my my three teams growing up. So did you do you know much about the New York Rangers? Like, have you have you played with with any of their guys that are at any of the international events or anything like that? When you look at the roster, was there anybody that you know stood out and you could reach out and text? Uh well, I knew the year before um, Matthew Robertson off the the Oil Kings. I, I knew him. I played with him at the Holinka tournament, and we we've always kind of talked to each other and. And then I guess another guy that stuck out would have been, or two guys, were two Western guys that I would have played against when I was 16 and 17, which would have been Hyatt and Howden. Right. I, I didn't I didn't reach out to them, but I, I knew of them, and I'm sure I could have a conversation with them when I got the chance. But those were probably the three guys that I had any clue of, of what. And I guess Lafreniere getting drafted first overall. I, I played with him at the Holinka tournament as well. So did you get any, uh, what, what sort of, blow up on your phone happened after the draft. I mean, I can't imagine the the <laughs> tweets and the texts and the emails and the Snapchats. Like, was your phone just out of control when you got drafted? Oh, it was like, unlike anything that's ever happened before. I got so many, so many <laughs> nice words and congrats. And it was, it was unbelievable. I, I, I didn't even bother picking it up till after the next morning because there was no chance I was getting back to everyone. 
So you get to New York, and I know that it's a it's a big change from Prince Albert. And you get to New York, and you were telling me before we clicked record, you got to take uh, take a couple of days and get in and watch their their first game at Madison Square Garden. What what was that like being in that building? That's such a historic place. I mean, had you ever been inside Madison Square Garden as as a fan or anything? No, I've never been to New York in general, so that was my first time. And I, I wish I I got that. I had to quarantine for three days before so I didn't get to see too much but that night when I they were invited me out to go to the game I was like I thought I was going to break my neck I was looking out the window looking up at everything and <laughs> I, the driver I'm sure thought I was thought what the heck is this guy doing and I was just like sorry uh, I'd never been so but yeah driving down the streets and then finally getting to the, the garden it was it was unbelievable and and seeing the inside of the building I I didn't think it would be anything like it was so explain it to some of the fans, because from what I understand, Madison Square Garden is a massive complex, but the hockey rink's actually like on the third or fourth floor. So how does that all work? Because normally when you come into a rink, the ice is right there, but here you got to basically go upstairs to get to the rink, don't you? Yep. It's, I forget what floor it was on, but we were, we were on the seventh floor and we were just above the lower bowl in our, our little player suite that they gave us. So it's like on like the fourth, fourth floor and I have no idea how it, how it works, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a cool building and it, all the batters in the building and the, just the feel of it, you can tell it's, it's, it's seen some amazing moments. So let's, before we get to the, uh, to the, to your current situation in Hartford in the American Hockey League and, and your plan to, to turn pro at least for the time being, Let's go to the World Juniors. Uh, you know, you you and I have spent a lot of time on the road and a lot of time on some buses and in some hotels, but that had to be uh, a real mental and physical battle getting into Red Deer and, and having to do the quarantine that you guys did. Um, you know, when you're stuck in, in, a, in a hotel for that long, like how did you keep yourself sane, not being able to leave your room for 14 days? Yeah, uh, it was, well, I think in total with Red Deer and Edmonton, it was 19. Yikes. But, uh, it was it was wild and it was it was so so tough because you got to feel all the excitement of seeing everyone and being able to go out and play play the game for a couple of days and then right away it gets taken away from you just like that. So, uh, yeah, the team well, the team was super awesome. They set up workouts for us every morning and we'd have little Zoom meetings and then a, a Zoom team builder at the end of the day and it would be poker or a board game online or something and and uh, I was lucky enough that I thought to bring my PlayStation for the times in between then because it made time go by pretty quick. But overall it, it seemed like a long time and it was, it was hard and everything, but it, they made it seem pretty seamless when we got out of it, out of there for sure. So when we talked to Craig Button a couple of weeks ago, he said that um, he was allowed to order food in, but he could only open the door to get the food. So he wasn't allowed to physically leave his room. So were you guys getting specific meals all the time or every once in a while were you allowed to, to order from somewhere? And if so, what was your kind of go-to maybe cheat meal while you were locked down? Well, the first, I think they said the first week we couldn't order anything. So the hotel food would just, they'd bring us up meals that they had pre-made for us and we'd get a breakfast, lunch and supper every day. And then uh, on the, <laughs> on the seventh day, right away, I, I ordered a, a chicken carbonara from Quiznos. <laughs> we got a nice 12 inch, got the extra sauce and I had at it and got a root beer with it. So I was, I was excited. Boy, that would have been, it's, I, you don't want to use the comparison, but that, that sounds a lot like a guy who's been in prison for a while and gets up and gets the, yep. gets that yep. first meal. <laughs> yep. 
the World Juniors is something that you know every kid watches and 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 dreams about taking part in. Now I know there were no fans, but did is it something that you really noticed uh, not playing in front of any fans, or at that point are you so focused on what's going on on the ice you don't really notice till maybe a, a, a you know stoppage in play when you're looking around kind of thing? Yeah, I I was I was so dialed into the moment. I think I was so focused on making sure that I was ready to go no matter what the and making sure our team was ready to go. And yeah, it until until you looked like after the games and would see the the media or more after the tournament. I, I you don't really look at the media stuff when you're you're in the tournament, but after the tournament looking at it, you realize how how big of a deal it is and how important it was and and I, I couldn't have even imagined what the the Edmonton building would have been like for a, a Canadian world junior. It would have been bananas, but you could still, after the fact, you could see that everyone was still supporting and you could feel everyone watching and it's, it's pretty amazing. Now you guys, obviously, you know, this is one of those tournaments where the, the skill level, not only on team Canada, but you know, across the board, I mean, you got Tim Stutzler who was excellent at the tournament and, you know, he scored his first NHL goal last night against Toronto. And then, you know, Zegris with the Americans and cousins and, and the talent was, was through the roof. You know, was this, you know, obviously the peak of your hockey career to this point. I mean, was that just the best hockey you, you've been around in your life? Yeah. I, I think the, especially the good, like good game because the world juniors, like, I feel like it is, it is kind of lopsided with some of the countries and, and some things, but when you would go up against even Germany, and I think we ended up beating him pretty bad and, I didn't even get to play much of that game, but <laughs> even the few shifts, like you could see the the skill that some of those guys have and the players that they're going to be in. And then when we played the Russians and Americans, like those were probably two of the toughest games and fastest paced games I've played. And it was, yeah, it, it, the game spake for themselves. They were fast paced. They were hard and they were a lot of fun to play in. Now, obviously, you touched on your your suspension early on in the tournament, and I don't think it would be a Braden Schneider tournament without at least a little bit of controversy for a big <laughs> hit. I mean, you've watched it back; we've all watched it back. Again, I I don't think if that hit happens in the Western Hockey League, it's a suspension. Now, it happens at the international level, and the rules are a little bit different. What was the message from the coaching staff in Hockey Canada after that whole situation, where you find out you know you are suspended for another game? Well, it was just, uh, it, it, it happens. It was a hockey play and it was our first real game since whenever. So I was, uh, I, I didn't feel like, I didn't think it was, I didn't was, wasn't trying to be malicious with the hit by any means, but I, I knew I was quite a bit bigger than the guy and I caught him a little higher than I would have liked. So I think I was fully, fully deserving of being a little lackadaisical with my body and going into a hit and, I got what I deserve, but yeah, the coaches said they, they know I didn't try to try to take the guy's head off, obviously, and that I'll, I'll be ready. They better, I better be ready to go for the next game that I'm in. So they were super good about it. They weren't mad at me and they, they stuck to their word and I was made sure I was ready to go for the next game. Well, I think everyone would agree that as the tournament went on, you know, the last two games you played in the semis and the final were, were some of the best hockey that most of us, uh, especially guys that have watched you regularly, have ever, have ever seen you play. So, you know, it, it had to be a bit tough, though, for you. How did you mentally get over the fact, oh, no, I've, I finally made the World Junior Team. You know, I'm, I'm six minutes into my first game, and I'm going to miss the rest of this game. And yeah. now I'm going to get suspended like – you had to be a little scared or worried, uh, you know, about, you know, how that was going to affect you the rest of the tournament. So how did you kind of mentally get over that? I, I guess, yeah, I, 
I just kept telling myself that I that it wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna let it define my game. And I just thought, you know what? It, when you play like that, you're you're bound to get something that happens, whether it's good or bad. And and yeah, I just told myself that's that's what you do best. And you know, you didn't try to kill the guy, and your opportunity is going to come again. So just make sure you're ready for it, and and be a little smarter when the time comes. <laughs> So now let's walk us through the last handful of days. So the World Juniors come to an end. Do you go home first to Prince Albert before you go to New York to maybe grab some, some fresh clothes or anything like that? Or do you go straight from Edmonton to New York? Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be able to go. Kelly was at the hotel the next day and picked me up and drove up, drove me to PA so I didn't have to hop in any flights or anything. And yeah, I, and I got to spend a couple of days at home and get make sure I was got some nice home-cooked meals and nice laundry done and ready to go and got all my other stuff like passports and things figured out. So, and then, yeah, Monday came along and, and I was off. So it was, it was quick turner events, but I was happy, happy to be home for a bit. So now it's a, it's a bit of a strange situation because normally a guy in your position getting drafted as high as you were would sign an entry level contract right away, which is a three-year deal. Usually when you're drafted as high as you are, it'd be, it'd be the max term and, and everything that comes along with, being a, a first round draft pick, but because of the uncertainty of what's going on, you know, you you're on an American hockey league tryout. Now this is very similar to what Luca Burzan, Cole Reinhardt, Trent Miner, some other guys have signed here in the last week. So what does that mean for you? You know, you get a chance to skate and, and play a little pro hockey at the American league level, but if the Western league starts, is your plan to come back? And if it doesn't start, you're just going to stay there. Is that how this is all kind of shaking out? I, I think so. I the, I think they the main thing was to make sure that I'm able to to skate and learn from the pro guys here that are within the organization and and yeah I know if the Western League starts I'm I'm back for training camp the day of because I'm still not eligible to be uh, in the American Hockey League and uh, yeah dub starts I'm back and if it doesn't then I guess I'm sticking it out here for a little longer. Right. So more than anything, it, it's just a situation where they just know that having you there, you're skating, you're working out, you're around the pro guys. It's a better option than you sitting at home and, and, and playing Xbox waiting for the Western League season more than anything, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when you get uh, into Hartford, have you skated with the, the Hartford guys yet? Yep, they have. Uh, because of the COVID restrictions in Connecticut, they have, I think there's 15 or 16 guys and more guys are coming. And uh, so we have two groups and, I, and we do a little skills skate and then a couple battle drills and a little scrimmage at the end of a game and then have a workout during the day. So I've been, I've been with my group and following them around and learning what they do and getting used to the routine here and, and just getting used to the pace of play that they, they practice at. So is it, is it a bit of an adjustment? Like I know you're, you're, you've certainly had to mature beyond your years, but you know, is it weird going from a situation where you've got a billet family that, you know, basically takes care of your every need and makes sure that you're fed and watered and your laundry's done and, you know, that everything's kind of lined up for you to succeed to all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're on a plane, you're organizing your own kind of car service rides to and from the rink. You're in New York city. You're kind of on your own. Uh, is it, is it been tough to figure it all out or, or have they done a good job of making sure that you have the, the help that you need? They, they have done, it, it was a little, it's, they've done a super good job of making sure that I have everything that I need and making sure that I know the, the ropes. Like for in here in Hartford, 
the the rink is only a block away, so I I take a nice morning walk every day and and get there. So yeah, they've explained it all pretty well, laid it out pretty good for me, gave me some some meal money cash and and uh, if I have any questions, they're a phone call away. So they've been super awesome. It's it's obviously been a lot different than than being at the Walleens. They're they're awesome and and do everything for me and make sure that I'm ready to go every day and and yeah, but it's it's been a lot of fun. That's where I wanted to. I, I definitely wanted to have this conversation with you. That that video that went viral uh, of your billet brother Xander and 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 his dad and what Scooter was able to do for him for Christmas. Did you know any of this was happening going into it, or because of the World Juniors, did they kind of leave you out of it a little bit? I well, I, I always knew that Xander wanted to be out on the skates and right. And I seen I, they sent me pictures of when they first built the rink, and they'd have Zan, Xander would be out in his boots, and Sawyer would be wheeling around. But I had no idea that. They were there. They kind of just let it go and were kind of let me do my thing at the World Juniors. And when I was when I seen it, I think Chad sent it to me right before they posted it. But it, yeah, it it made me so happy to see that he was finally able to do that, and and I'm I'm excited to see where he can go with it. Oh, for sure. And and I think that that video not only is it a, is it a great story for Xander, but I think especially at a time where the Western Hockey League isn't going. I think it really accentuates and and promotes, you know, how important a junior hockey team is to their community. Because you know, I go back a few years to uh, the Wheat Kings Hockey School in the summer, and Sawyer, the other tw- Sanders twin brothers, taking part in uh, Wheat King Hockey School in the summer, and he's out ripping around with the guys and and whatever. Well, Xander's not far behind. He's on the bench filling water bottles. He's helping Scooter yeah. out moving tape and sticks around, and he just wants to be a part of it in the worst way. And, yeah. you know, for Scooter to, to understand that and talk with the family and get him what he needs to get on the ice, I mean, that's just a great story. And, and when it got as viral as it did, were you surprised? Like when, when Mark Masters is asking you about it in the pregame show, and I'm sure your teammates were talking about it, did it surprise you how many people watched that and commented on it? Uh, honestly, no, it, it didn't surprise me that much. I mean... I, especially with the the times that are going right now, I think it, it's so important that those positive things do get out there. And, and yeah, the, the hockey community is, is so awesome that way in supporting everyone in the game and, and to see it explode like that, it was awesome. And you maybe wouldn't expect it, but to see it go that far as, as far as it has, it, it hasn't surprised me at all. Well, it was a, it was an awesome video, and I, to me, it was uh, you're right the feel good story in a in a time where there aren't many uh, feel good stories. Has it been hard for for your parents? You know, I know that your parents, your dad for sure, and and your mom tries to get to as many games as she can, but your dad drives all over this this Western Hockey League schedule. He's at every game, no matter what rank you go to, you see him standing off in the corner. And, you know, obviously his, his job and his, his career allows him to do that. Not many parents have the luxury to do that. But has it been tough for them to not be able to be in the building and, and watch you live? Because that's something they're so used to. Yeah, I, I think so. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they, they, are, they always want to be there and want to support me as best I can. But, and, I, and I keep telling them, is that, yeah, I know you guys want to be there and be and this be supporting me, but it's, it's okay. Like I can, I can feel you guys from here. So I, I think it's been tough for them, but I think they're, they're managing well and, and making sure that they're doing everything that they can to, to still be supporting me. 
Well, as, uh, as we wrap up, I'm going to give you a, a couple of uh, rapid-fire questions to finish up. Just a couple of fight, fun, light ones, and, uh, and then we'll let you get back to, to your Sunday. I'm assuming you got a little uh, football on the agenda this afternoon <laughs> to watch and uh, a little NFL playoff action. But uh, if we were to ask Braden Schneider, which TV show or series got you through quarantine at the World Juniors? Uh, what, would you, what were you watching? Oh, well, I'm, I was watching... Oh, what's it called? It was a new Netflix one. I, I didn't watch too many because I had my, my PlayStation, but the ones I watched, it was, uh, alien, I'm a big like planet Earth guy. I like watching those. And it was called uh, Alien Worlds. Interesting. It was, it was very interesting. It kind of <laughs> freaked me out a bit, but I, I loved watching it. <laughs> so I know you, <laughs> you and I have joked on the road in the past that, you know, sometimes on the Western League circuit, there's some pretty questionable food. You know, sometimes the, the hotel, yeah. every once in a while you get a meal and you just barely can choke her down. When you're yeah. in quarantine, what's one thing that if, if it was put in front of you today, you're saying, nope, I've had enough of that. I don't want to see it for, for another a month or two. Uh, the, the hotel bagged eggs. <laughs> the steamed eggs. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and those... The uh, part was, was in quarantine, they would throw peppers on them. So it was... Uh, I'm not a big pepper on my egg kind of guy and just have the bagged eggs every morning with peppers all over them did not did not sit well after about two days so you're a you're a pretty uh pretty strong kid you work out a lot you're a pretty healthy guy but if you had to you know sit down take the day off have a bunch of cheat snacks what's your go-to snack oh go-to snack well, I don't, I'm not sure if I have a go-to snack, but I have a go-to drink, and I I would love I love having a Pepsi when I'm <laughs> at the hotel. So if I if I have a day off and I'm feeling like I need some sugar, I'm I'm definitely getting a big bottle of Pepsi. You get to go to New York, let's say, and you get a choice of jersey number. What uh, what number are you choosing to start your NHL career whenever that day happens? Oh, I, I have no idea, and I think the. My the number two that I've worn is uh, Brian Light or Brian Leach, and uh, I I'm not sure I, I would be happy to get whatever whatever number they they feel fit for me. Yeah, I suppose normally when and I was just talking to a Kale Clegg about the number he got when he started. It's usually high up when you start. Yeah. You get like a 60s or 55 yeah. or something when you start, and then it takes a couple years to get to get the number you want. Yeah. Um, when you look at uh, you know the the Western Hockey League circuit and and you've played in all the rinks now through the U.S. and whatever, where's your favorite place to play a game? Uh, well, I, I always think that going back to the PA is is pretty fun. I, I've been on the the home side of that bench for so long, and to have the competitive teams that we've had these last couple of years, I've always found it a super fun game to go back to the the old Art Hauser and have a battle in there. That's uh, it's one of my favorite places to call a game. I mean, you look at that year that they won, that place was packed every night. You oh, could hardly, yeah. as a radio guy, you know, I, I had to be careful how much water I drank because there wasn't a chance I could make it to the men's room at an intermission <laughs> because there was people just lined up because everybody in that building was drinking three beers at a time. It was yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty rowdy in there. Have you talked to many of your Week King teammates? And if so, which is which is one guy you miss the most? Well, I, I've been keeping in touch with the, the McCartneys and the Greggs and, and Rhinos here and there. And 
I think I think the guy I miss most, I'd have to go with McCartney. As as weird as that might sound, I don't think a lot of guys would miss that face. But uh, yeah, he's a he's a guy that you just he's fun to be around, and and uh, you like seeing him at the rink every day. So you're 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 a guy that's going to New York. It's a place where there's been known celebrities to sit down at MSG and watch a game. Who's your celebrity crush? That if you saw sitting in the first row, you might be a little distracted. Oh, I don't know. There's probably there's probably too many to say, but I <laughs> I, I think the ah I don't even know. I don't even know. It's such right. a big place, and and uh, yeah, I remember watching like like a uh, big real estate shows, and I yeah. Uh, I, I can I don't know I don't even know enough of the names there. <laughs> so when you get a when you get your first contract and and whenever that may be, have you thought about you know what you want to get first? I know a lot of guys say they want to buy a car, or they want to you know buy this that the other thing. Have you thought about it at all? If and when you sign a deal, what you're going to spend your first paycheck on, or has your mom already decided she's going to take it and and put it away so you can't touch it? No, no, that's mine. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, but. uh uh, I think for sure I'm going to get a, a new set of maybe fitted golf clubs if that time ever comes. I think this summer with the quarantine and everything, I, I picked up golfing a lot more. And, and uh, yeah, that's something I think would be a, a good purchase. I would get put to use pretty well. Well, I think that's a, a pretty good way to end it, uh, Schneids. I hope that uh, you don't have to golf much because I hope you're back to playing a, a regular Western Hockey League shift here as we get into the early stages of summer. But you never know what's going to happen. Uh, until then, though, best of luck out in Hartford. And uh, hopefully we get to see you in Brandon sometime soon. And if not, uh, I'm sure you're going to do big things uh, in New York. I don't know if you saw, but I got my New York yeah, Rangers yeah, hat. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> I was Looks good. Did a little Boxing Day shopping. I've never had a, a real favorite team. I grew up in Winnipeg, uh, a Winnipeg Jets fan. The first time around when they were, you know, in in the nineties. Um, but ever since then, I've never really had a favorite team. But when uh, the New York Rangers called your name, I thought, you know what? There's a team I could get behind. So yep. I ordered myself a hat just uh, just yep. for you. So um, love to see it. Thanks for doing this, Schneids, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. No problem at all. You too. Yeah, special thanks to Braden Schneider. I know he's he's been absolutely crazy busy getting from you know Edmonton back to Prince Albert, getting some laundry done, some home cooked meals, and back over to New York, and then from New York down to Hartford and getting settled in. So I appreciate him taking some time uh, to get himself on the weekly harvest. He's his second appearance on the weekly harvest. We had him live early on in our uh, podcast uh, doings back at the studios at WCG. Um, How far back does that seem now? That like that's a yeah. world ago. That we were doing really this in is. the same, like now that I think back, we've been doing the podcast now for for probably this way. Have we really? I mean, what what episode did we? It would have been for sure. Uh, it was we, the probably, first one we did was, was the goalie episode. Yeah, so that was like Ooh, episode, that had to be like episode nine like, or ten or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it had to have been. Yeah, so we've been it was doing really this early way on. longer than we have in the studio together live at WCG. It actually, unfortunately, you know, WCG is a great host, and 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 Vern and and the crew there were excellent. But all these is, issues didn't happen when we were at WCG. Yeah. All these little things started happening, and you know, I, I like to I like to pride myself and you know all my years in radio that I can I can work a board in technology. But uh, there's just certain things this day and age that when we're trying to do this this distance over the internet, things just seem to sometimes go a little bit haywire. It's WCG a little easier to get guests, though, because we don't have to oh, tell them that sure. they're 
you know, coming in and organizing more specific time. time. Like we can do it whenever kind of works for us. And the way that's been going, it kind of works for the most time whenever, unless again, some guys really busy. Unless and, someone goes fishing for the weekend. <laughs> well, we could have done a Sunday night, about- by the way, like, like normal, but. <laughs> Again, I understand. You got to work around 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 his schedule right now. So we talked about uh, NHL coming back, and I just wanted to touch. Uh, I know you guys in the office uh, posted uh, the look at at everybody uh, from the Weekings organization. That's always fun. Hey? I always love that. I always love oh. that. Looking at where all the guys are, and there were and fifteen guys in camp. And I really wish. And sometimes people are like, "Well, I wish we could know more than just that." Like other pro guys, you know, other years. I, if there was like, you know, uh, uh, an easier way to kind of do it, there's so many pro leagues around the world, but that's why I love even in the game when we do the alumni spotlight, just throwing up the old player and whatever team he's on now, like that logo, just that little bit of like, where are they now? It's always a lot of fun, but especially when you guys to be that level, the NHL. Yeah. Like that list is always awesome to look at. And we want to tip our cap to Nolan Patrick. Uh, he joined us uh, for a little bit uh, on that one pod with Sanheim and, and Tanner Kaspik. He just happened to walk by in the background, but <laughs> uh, he hadn't played hockey in forever. So he he hadn't played a professional hockey game uh, since April 6th of 2019. And he came back and, and fired up with the Flyers. He's back. He's better than ever. He's quicker. He's faster. And he's already picking up points picking up right where he left off and of all the week King alumni stories, I mean, obviously, you know, we got the Ryan Pollock and the Matt Calverts and the guys that are really starting to become Iron Men. But you know, for me, that's the best story is Nolan Patrick finding his stride. He looks good. He's wearing a tinted visor. And some people have asked me, what's the scoop with Patty's tinted visor. And from all I can read and, and all I found out is that that really helps him with his, his migraines and his headaches that were tied up to his injuries. So, well, hey, there was you a- see Matt Calvert. Pink visor and I the was going to say there was that story about Matt Calvert and his pink visor as well. Exactly. So uh, it, it makes it makes perfect sense as well, especially when you're playing in, in in the in the in the bright lights. Even when I'm in the office, I mean, again, people who look at the computer screens all day, I've got a special pair of glasses Your eyes get sore. because oh, I, I get headaches. So I got the special pair of glasses, put it on. They got the blue, whatever the the actual whatever the screen tint is. Paid a whole bunch extra for it, but you know you wear it and it's it's super nice. So I, I totally understand why, why why the players would do that. It's not like it's a fashion statement. Um, but, I mean, you know, it does it, look kind of cool too. But, uh, well, for sure, yeah. So good for Patty. He's back. That's definitely uh, almost one. Of the, you know, like, like for sure one of the best comeback stories for me. One of my favorite weeking uh, alumni stories is Mark Stone being named captain yes. of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, big Golden Knight fans, obviously, with all of the uh, weeking connections, especially here in the house. Uh, I know that. Uh, uh, don't have a jersey yet, though. Got the T-shirts, got some hoodies, got some hats. Been waiting on the jersey because I want to know who's going to have that first C. Because I always like getting the letters on it as well. Uh, and now it's a no-brainer, right? Like going to get the C, uh, the C stone. So awesome news there. Love that, Mark Stone, first captain in Golden Knight history. Another great, uh, another great story. I mean, his interviews after were excellent. And and one thing I want to touch on: so fifteen Weeking alumni were at training camps. Now that's just players. I mean, when you look off ice as well, I mean, obviously you got Kelly McCrimmon there, Bobby Lowe's in Vegas, Von Carpen also Ryan in Vegas, Craig. Ryan Craig also in Vegas, yep. um, Darren Millard, former broadcaster, also in Vegas. Um, you know, you just go down the list uh, of other broadcasters and guys, Darren Dreger at TSN, he's going into another season as the NHL insider. Um, Darren Granger in LA, equipment manager, Craig Heisinger, Kevin Dayoff. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on of guys that have, have had stops in Brandon. And it just shows you that, you know, how important this, this weekend organization is to providing 
an outlet for these guys to, to junior reach hockey. Outlet. Junior, you know, yeah, the Wheat Kings are, of course, a big part of junior hockey's history. But uh, that's why it was so nice to see the Saskatchewan government do that. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, what, what junior hockey really does mean. And like we talked about on on the interview last week that people did get to hear because it was you know we 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 aired the entire thing even with the bill about the mic issues was the fact that the players who uh majority of them who go on in the WHL that they don't go on to the pro careers so as nice as it is to see the you know those 15 guys who are at the NHL camps and what they're doing and the dozens up to maybe hundreds depending on the year of other guys who are doing other pro hockey careers but there's again all the rest are most of them using that scholarship for every year they play in the league? Yeah. They can go to any Canadian university, uh, a, a college. A number of them they play hockey while they're there, or just further their education. But that's where a lot of people take advantage of. So uh, by us not playing, that's also what's what's missing out, like everything else. But that's that's a big factor in a lot of these kids is you know missing out that year, not just to show for them to go pro, but for them to play into their schooling years as well. A couple of a uh, couple of notes. Speaking of pro guys, um, Andrew Clark, uh, former Wheat King, he signed again in Germany. He's had a great pro career over in Europe. And speaking of pro careers in Europe, we got to send a happy birthday out to the man behind Billy's Beef himself. Assistant coach Mark Derlego turned thirty-five years young yesterday afternoon. So happy birthday, Billy! Got the same happy belated birthday text. You happy know, belated birthday. Never, never heard from him two weeks ago when we gave him the the big shout out at the end of the podcast as well. Maybe we'll hear about it this time because we gave. Him yeah, a I'm still waiting out. on this hat that he promised me when we did our first ever Zoom. Yeah, podcast. that was that was a long time ago. That was a long time. Instead, ago. I've got this uh, this new finished off, hat. I finished off all the rest of that sausage as well. So this past you're probably weekend. using it as bait. My grandma used to use hot dogs as bait in our ice fishing shack, and I thought she was nuts. But. Jack will eat anything. We were talking about that this past weekend, but he had his kid out fishing nearby, and and, and he made a. He's like, you know, my favorite little classical kid line. You know, my favorite fish. What was that, bud? My favorite fish is jackfish. I'm like, oh, why? Because they like to eat hot dogs and sausages, and so do I. <laughs> I was like, nah, that's a great reason, man. I like that. I thought it was gonna be like, you know, he's, you know, because jacks are good fighters because, um, you know, they like to snap the hook down, like or whatever, they get big. But no, because they they like to eat what I like to eat. So uh, I always, uh, yeah, I like that reason. But uh, well, yeah. Before we go into a full on uh, Bob Zumi fishing podcast, we should wrap this one up. Uh, again, uh, great job on that setup for ice fishing. For anybody that, uh, that, uh, doesn't, doesn't see, you should post it on Twitter, uh, and we can send people okay. to your Twitter page and take a look. Cause okay. I think there's a lot of uh, people that listen that are, uh, you know, fi- you know, ice fisher or people that would like to be out there. Just sit, post a picture of your setup. Cause I think people would like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't really make it a big public thing, but, uh, I'll, I'll put it on Twitter for sure. So at underscore awesome. Falco. So if people want to check it out, it's at underscore F. A L K O. You can go and check it out there. Um, there you go. Okay. If people 38. want to get a hold of us as well, they can email qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. That's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Again, the whole podcast brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Weekings. Please drink responsibly. Uh, really appreciate you tuning on in this week. Uh, if it's on qcountryfm.ca, uh, if you listen across the podcast landscape, WCG TV, thank you to them and, uh, and on YouTube. And a big thanks to Brayden Schneider for uh, talking to Brandon Crow this week. Any final thoughts uh, or things to say there, Crow? No, it's, uh, it's good to be, you can, I've said this the last three or four weeks in a row, but you, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we can start seeing a schedule shape up and see how this is going to go. 
And hopefully by, you know, hopefully within a month's time from now, we'll have a little bit of training camp action and, and maybe have some guys back on the ice. I mean, still crossing our fingers. Lots has to happen, but let's hope we're, we're coming down to the, to the, to the final stretch drive here. Well, until next week, have a good one. Talk to you later. Cheers. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest. Oh,